So if that window gets closed, <laughs> it's hot in And it just is unseasonably. I'm not going to say It's just, hey, welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show. My name is Zach Adams. So glad you're joining me tonight. Uh, I pastor a church located just outside of Athens, Georgia. The name of the church is Calvary 316. Uh, our Sunday service is at 1030. would encourage you to come and be our guest one Sunday if you're local. If you're not local, but looking for a church that teaches the Bible that you can uh, connect to online, we live stream our service. Uh, we live stream on our YouTube channel, uh, which is Calvary316.live. We also live stream, the other platform is Facebook, facebook.com slash Calvary316. Uh, you can find all of this information about the church. You can learn more about what we're about um, by visiting the church website, calvary316.com. So uh, with all that being said, if you're new to the show, let me introduce uh, my partner in crime, the maestro of this dysfunction, uh, a.k.a. Dick Dastardly, Creighton Vaughn. Welcome to the show, bro. Hello. I am the imminently to be betrayed Creighton Vaughn. How are so you guys doing? So you're very nervous because of all I'm the things that nervous. I said. So yes. why are you nervous? Uh, because I'm taunting you. I have been- I've been taunting uh, you at minute like forty five seconds in the countdown. You explain said, what happens. Explain like everything okay, that leads uh, up to this show going live. So uh, I freak out around. You, no, no, no. You uh, get here. You get here at like six o'clock. Yeah, I like, get go here at through 6 the whole o'clock. the whole ordeal. So I get here at six o'clock. Uh, I set up the cameras. I set up my computer. Make sure that we're you get ready the studio, to go live. The studio booted um, up and launched. Yeah, I get everything ready. Um, and then I have dinner with Zach and his wife because she's a great cook and he's an okay dinner guest. Um, <laughs> Me and Mabel. And then, yes, you and Mabel. Um, and then we come in here and we hang out for about an hour uh, while we are waiting for the show to actually get started. You know, talking, loosening up the gears. And we then could have I a pre-show. Start- we could have a pre-show show. No, we couldn't. <laughs> on YouTube? <laughs> we could have Not a pre-show show. Outlaw platform. No, we, we could have like a uh, Outlaw After Dark, but it's the pre-show. <laughs> <laughs> because it's... Anyway, um, and then I start the countdown, and we continue talking, and then I do a countdown while you guys can't hear me talking, and I tell everyone so to stop talking. So the mics are muted. The mics are muted while this right. is happening. And I tell everyone to stop talking because I'm going to turn the mics on, and I would like to have a nice, you know... The, the end of the countdown, the logo comes up, and then Zach starts talking, and it's silent beforehand. It's a very nice way to start a show because I'm a professional. And without fail, we ruin it. Ruin it every week. Every week. And they did it especially bad this time because about 45 seconds before we go live, Zach looks at me and goes, I could give you a thousand guesses, and you have no idea how I'm going to hijack your show tonight. <laughs> And he That's stared true. me in the eyes. That's true. It was it was wild. That's true. And I and, and I recruited I recruited help. I recruited Spice Daddy. I sent Spice Daddy a text <laughs> message uh, yesterday. I said, "Hey, let's hijack the show, and uh, this is what I'm thinking we can talk about. We'll get to you, whatever you want to do, but we're we're gonna have a little <laughs> rant thing." Uh, and and Spice Daddy, aka Justin, was like, "I'm on board. This is great." So I I've I've already mentioned these folks. Uh, joining me, in addition to the producer Creighton, is also uh, a merry band of misfits. Uh, we've got uh, we've got Kyle, we've got Spice Daddy. Hey, Kyle, nice hat, by the way. I made so it. Really, nice you made <laughs> it. You <laughs> stitched it together. <laughs> we got Deal Daddy Derek. How are you, bud? Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. It's such a creepy thing to. You I mean, asked me how beautiful. I was, and I answered. Beautiful. I'm beautiful. <laughs> you you answer with like a descriptive term. Yeah, like, that's how I am. You're, that's. You, feel, I'm sorry, gorgeous. You're feeling beautiful. <laughs> rather be saying. Eye of the beholder. Sorry. How are you, Nicholas yeah. Monty? 
Wishing I was at the beach. Still. Wishing you Same. were at the Me beach. Too. Well, we're not. Same. We are not at the beach. We came back to reality. We should do a podcast live at the beach. One live night. at the beach. No. Spice Daddy at the beach. We need to get a budget first. That way Outlaw Radio can pay for a beach trip. We're Accepting still waiting on donations. Mike Lindell to sponsor us. We do need. Where <laughs> yeah. is Mike Lindell other than getting his phone ganked from the FBI? Maybe at a Hardee's. At a Hardee's. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe he was in the midst of texting you. To they confiscated his phone. Before well, he if he's his... going to Hardee's, he deserves it. Man, that <laughs> is that is as deep of a conspiracy theory as the lizard people. I mean that that's going deep. Anyway, so the way that the show works is that Creighton, as the producer, uh, introduces a topic um, or a passage of scripture or a story in the Bible. And then it becomes my job to turn that topic uh, into a Bible study. So this is an unscripted Bible study. I have no idea what we're going to talk about. Creighton's the one that knows. These guys have no idea. So Creighton drops a topic. We turn it into the Bible study. These guys help. It's a fun conversation. Periodically, I'll hijack things, which I'll do in a moment. And, uh, and we'll have a fun conversation before we get to whatever Creighton was wanting to talk about. Did you just redefine periodically? <laughs> Did I? Is that what happened? I mean, you have a rant like the last six or seven shows in a row now <laughs> he's trying to play catch up from when he was in a coma thank you Justin. <laughs> thank you thank you i was down for a while and i'm playing ca- I, i'm playing catch up that's that's uh that's how this is rolling um gosh this show's off the rails to begin with right from the, right from the jump oh my gosh uh so anyway What's cool about the show is it this it's recorded live, so if you're watching live uh, on outlawradio.live, our YouTube channel, or facebook.com slash the radio outlaw, welcome. 8 p.m. Wednesday nights, uh, we stream live. Uh, the audio of what you're watching then gets released on Thursdays as a podcast, and uh, very cool, this past Sunday, uh, we had a visitor come to church, and I was like, hey, I, you know, how did you find out about us, et cetera, and and uh, he was like, well, actually, uh, a buddy of mine invited me to church and, and uh, wanted to check it out. I was like, well, I'm s- it happened to be that this was the Sunday I wasn't teaching. Uh, coming back from vacation, uh, had a brother, Mike, that was filling in. And so I was like, hey, you need to make sure you come back uh, next week at least and, and hear me preach. And he was like, no, I've been listening to the Outlaw Radio Show. I've been listening to the podcast actually for a while now. In fact, he thought we just quit doing the show um, at mm. the turn of the year. He just thought it just disappeared. And then he actually heard the episode when we came back where I kind of explained what had happened. And so, you know, where, where I, I might have thought that might have been mundane, he kind of reminded me of, like, he thought we died or something. <laughs> you know, we had just disappeared. So um, if you are watching, interact with us. Uh, Creighton, explain to the audience how uh, you can interact in real time with what we're discussing. Well, if you are watching on either Facebook or YouTube, there's a comment section, uh, usually to the right of the video box, uh, and you can type a comment in there, and I will see it because I have a computer in front of me where I have those things up. We already have our first comment from uh, one of our longtime fam, fam, fan, uh, Miss Jennifer. Or fam. She says, evening, fellas. So, fellas, say evening. 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 Good eve. Good evening. There it is. That so, was yeah. very enthusiastic. Uh, we also have a uh, very special guest in our comments, Mr. Josh Brown. Josh Brown. Yeah. Hi, Josh. Hi, Josh. This is, you know, it's funny. Is Hi, this Josh. is like the one week you're not rocking his production I shirt know. or hat? 
Um, Josh Brown, for those of you who don't know, is uh, is really the reason that this show even exists at all. Uh, Josh was the first guy that was like, hey, you should do something like this. And it kind of took off. And he was part of the show, been on the show. Uh, glad you're joining joining us. So let me let me hijack. This is the time I typically throw it to Creighton, <laughs> where Creighton throws in a topic, and then we have fun with it. Um, let me give a little backstory, uh-huh. uh, because this is like years in the making. And I had come and evolved in a way I never thought. I, I am now really close to believing something today that maybe like 15 years ago, I would have I would have thought you were a kook or a crazy person, and that is the Shroud of Turin. Oh my goodness! So years ago, you had no idea this was coming. I told you. I you know what I couldn't I told guess you the, the Shroud, Shroud of Turin. Justin, very quickly, very quickly, what is the Shroud of Turin? I'm going to get to you more, but just explain what it is. So basically, the Shroud of Turin is a supposed burial cloth of Jesus Christ. And it's a full body, like full body. It's not just the face. It's like it's got the scourging scars yep. uh, from the flagrum. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's it's a full body. Basically, the idea is that when Jesus was laid in the tomb, he was wrapped in the customary uh, uh, burial cloth uh, by Joseph of Arimathea, Nicodemus. Uh, was laid in the tomb. They couldn't complete the process because of the Sabbath, um, and so they had to leave. The women come back. And we're told in the scriptures that Jesus obviously had, had risen. His body was not there, but what was left? Burial cloth. The burial cloth was left. It was, it was the scriptures document the shroud, the burial shroud. Now, the question has been, what happened to that piece of cloth? Because that cloth would have had the DNA of Jesus, would have had the blood of Jesus, the plasma. I mean, Jesus, when they wrapped him in it, was a bloody mess he had had the piercings in his hands, mm. the piercing in his side. His back was filleted. I mean, Jesus was a blood, his beard was ripped from his face, the crown of thorns. I mean, he would have been a very wet, bloody mess. And the idea is that, that the shroud, the burial cloth, would have absorbed uh, the blood, the plasma, the liquids. And, and in some regards, to an ex- extent, would have left some type of an imprint of, of Jesus. And the, the question has been historically... You know, like Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade, where they're looking for the cup, you know? You know, one of those archaeological mysteries of, of Solomon's temple, the treasure, the lost treasure. Um, there's a lot of, like, biblical artifacts that have always been, you know, people have been interested in discovering. The shroud is one of them. Now, there is the shroud. It's called the Shroud of Turin. Um, I'll let Justin kind of bring in a little bit more information. I first heard about, like, I, growing up in a Protestant non-denominational environment, um, not in Catholic realms, uh, completely re- rejecting of, of icons and relics. Um, I, I gave no mind to the Shroud of Turin. Just really wrote it off as like... Crazy co- people stuff. Crazy people, kooky, whatever. Uh, doesn't deserve any time or attention. Didn't even hear about it in Bible college. N- no mention of it in church history classes, etc. Um, my first exposure to someone that like literally believed in the Shroud of Turin um, Jessica and I, we were newly married. We went on vacation with some friends uh, to my buddy's parents' house. His mom, his mom, I can't name anybody here. Um, his mom, we were like in the ocean hanging out. And, and she brought up the Shroud of Turin and was like, I thought she was joking at first. 
um, that she was pulling my leg, but she started talking about this book that she had read and how real it was and how she was giving money to this foundation that was doing research. And I was like, at first I thought I was just being punked. And then it was like, oh no, no, this is for real. Like this lady, I don't know if she fully believes, but she's really interested. So I had to back off sarcastic Zach and kind of play this out. And, and I still, I just completely wrote it off. Now, the next person in my life that was like, hey, you should really reconsider the Shroud of Turin thing is this big dude over here, all right? <laughs> so Justin, for the years that I've known him, is like, hey, you, you looked into the Shroud of Turin again. No, Justin, I haven't. You're a crazy person. Anyway, Justin has kind of been wearing on me for years now. I read an article the other day, Monday, I think it was, whenever I text you. And this article, is, it was, it was a, it's a scholarly report, and it was like the scientific evidence to validate the Shroud of Turin is unbelievable. Like to the point that like it can't even be, like you can't replicate the, the, the radiology. It's a 3D imprint. It's not even like the face of Jesus. And what's neat about it is like the only way it could happen that you could create this type of an imprint, and Justin, I'm going to pitch it to you in a second, is for, like, the resurrection to happen. Like, what makes the Shroud of Turin interesting is that it could be, like, the definitive proof of the resurrected body of Jesus because the only way that you could create this particular type of imprint into a piece of cloth, like, you can't replicate it in any other way. Um, you have to have, like, extreme... Like, I read... Part of the article was like the only way you can even come close is using modern uh, photographic technology to create a double negative and make it like a 3D invert. And then you're saying that someone like decided to figure out how to do that in the 11th century as a joke. Um, like it is, it is. <laughs> I'm not saying I believe in the Shroud of Turin, but Justin, I'm just going to pitch it to you for a moment because you've been you've been kind of ahead of this way before me. Creighton, you've been looking at me weird. Flip back to you real quick. What okay. are your thoughts right now? I told you, you couldn't I'd give you a thousand chances. Would you ever guess? No, Shroud I would of not Turin. have guessed the Shroud of Turin because I, I fall into the same category. You, I grew up Protestant and we don't do relics or icons. Um, and basically whenever somebody says anything is like, you know, this was the anything of Jesus. I'm like, ah, probably not. Because it was like a really long time ago, and why would it be? And, and this comes from the guy, real quick. And my to, other question okay, okay. is, why should I care? Like, what other if than the other than the like physical thing? I touched Jesus. Cool. What if it's Does physical it evidence? Magic powers. What if it's physical evidence of a resurrection? I mean, that I, would change. Well, yeah, the game a little bit, right? Well, yeah, if it was physical evidence for the resurrection, I'm very interested in how it could be that. Okay, so because. So, this also, comes from the what? guy. This, this comes from the guy that like I don't believe. Like I've been to Israel and I'm walking around looking at all these like locations, Golgotha, the 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 Garden Tomb, and I'm like, yeah, I don't I don't think that that's it, and I don't think that that could be there. And like I, you can go back historically and look back to Constantine's mother and and you know the, hey this is where it was, and then they build a church, and it becomes that forever. Church of the Holy Sepulcher, things of that nature. So I'm that guy as well. I'm telling you, <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying it. There might be something there. So Spice Daddy, I mean, this is 
this is this has been your dream. One um, of them. One <laughs> of them. Uh, for us to, to, to... This is your moment in the sun. Take it. Explain. Build an argument for right. the Shroud of Turin. So, to start things off, I just want to say that I'm a naturally skeptical person. That's why I went into archaeology. I, I don't like it when all the Christians and stuff like that are like, oh, yeah, this is evidence for this and that. And, you know, that's where Mary sat when she was going to Bethlehem. How do you know? Because there's not really many art, artifacts that have Jesus was here on it kind of thing. Um, Which is really a bummer. Honestly. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Oversight. <laughs> but... You know, I you know wait, I did you it. just say oversight like God got something wrong? Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was like, wait, 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 wait a second. Oh yeah, God oversight. forgot to leave marker graffiti. Yeah, Jesus, something. you should have thought this one through yeah. better. Carved a couple of JCs <laughs> in some of his woodworking. If our live stream, if our live some JCs. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you know how you can find out uh, that the house that Jesus ministered to in Capernaum? It says, "Who's in the house?" JC. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But anyway, so... I, that was a Carmen joke, by the way. <laughs> as, as somebody that's been in archaeology, specifically biblical archaeology for a while, you know, I've known about the Shroud of Turin. I was skeptical, as I am with most Catholic icons and stuff like that, because they're usually not it. Uh, and, and so uh, a few years ago, right before I got my bachelor's degree in archaeology, I, I, uh, I was a docent at a biblical archaeology museum. A, a what? Uh, a volunteer. Uh, uh, you could have just said volunteer. Well, yeah. it's, it's more than just a volunteer. Like, okay, then you I, I should help, have said more than a volunteer. What's oh volunteer goodness. with yeah. benefits? Don't let a me volunteer take... with benefits. Okay. We'll go with that. <laughs> anyway, so uh, while I was there, I met, I met one of my buddies. You were name, a what again? A, a docent. A, a volunteer with benefits. Basically, basically, I was a volunteer who knew about stuff that was able to do, like, tours and stuff for people. Uh, a volunteer with benefits. Yes. Working yes, for that, free. that works. Anyway, <laughs> so I met my, my buddy Dave Glander, who now works for uh, Reasons for Hope Ministry with Carl, Carl Kirby. Uh, and, and so before I get started, I, I, I do want to shout him out and uh, his ministry. And if you download their app, it's R-F-O-R-H. Uh, um, it has a little... That's blue, really catchy. Yeah, it has a little blue asterisk as their icon kind of thing. Uh, Dave's whole presentation on the Shroud of Turin is is on there. And so why I mentioned Dave is uh, a few years later after I get back from Israel, Dave has uh, that museum that I worked for kind of fell by the wayside and Dave put all of his life savings and bought a good chunk of all the artifacts and stuff that was at this museum. So he had me come in as, a, as the basically a curator for all the, the pottery and stuff like that. And we were a traveling archeology span uh, apologetics museum. So we had a bunch of different artifacts, pottery from different ages of the Bible. We had a uh, scriptorium, which is, we had a bunch of different leafs of different Bibles throughout history kind of stuff. Uh, really cool stuff. Uh, we had a modern Israel uh, uh, section. And, but one of the coolest things that Dave had in, and we had in the museum is Dave got his hands on one of the only five high-resolution photos that they took of the Shroud of Turin uh, to study. So there's only five in existence, and he has one of them. Mm. Where wow. is the actual Shroud of Turin today? It's in Turin, Italy. 
Okay, so that's the that's shroud why of they Turin. call it the shroud of Turin. Okay, and that'll be. Uh, I took some notes from Dave's presentation, but highly recommend watching Dave's presentation. This is your moment, Justin. I know, I know, but I, I gotta, I gotta give credit. He to has to cite sources. He's not. Uh, so Dave does this good thing, and the really cool thing about having is a full size photo replica of the shroud of Turin, so you hmm. can actually see everything. It's it's almost like seeing the real thing. Uh, the last time it was studied, I think, was in, like, 1982 or the late 70s, um, and they, they hasn't been studied since. Um, so I took some notes earlier. Let me pull <laughs> those up. Uh, you knew this was coming. Yeah, I had some. Now I, we just got dead yeah, space here in the middle of the episode. Okay, Why so haven't I, they right, studied no, I got it since then? So before I get started, I want to talk about what it is not, Okay. What it's definitively not is it's not a painting, and it's not burned image on there from, like, charcoal or something like that. Explain why those are two. <clears throat> Glad you asked. You're welcome. <laughs> the, so this is one of the most studied artifacts in all of history. Like, it's been constantly studied and tried to be de at debunked since the late 70s, early 80s. Um so this is where it gets really interesting. All the science that it is. And the History Channel did a little a thing on it. I think it's called The Face of Jesus. Um, really interesting because they, they did a lot of lot of science that I don't understand on it. Uh, they did some radiological stuff, some uh, uh, carbon dating, which is not as accurate as a lot of people do. And that's how a lot of people said it was debunked because... Well, that was the article that I read. What was interesting about it, Creighton? Can I sit like this? Does this work? I mean, you're on screen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the article that I read it had a, it had a mention that there is a piece of fabric on the shroud itself that clearly dates to like 1100, yep. Yep, etc. Hundred percent did. But the rest of it dates like 30 something AD. Well, the reason why they only. It's a closely guarded thing, uh, and, and it's highly valuable. So they obviously didn't want to tear up a lot of, of the fabric. So they cut out a piece of what they thought was part of it, and what it actually was was a patch. Uh, it's called a French uh, a You French can just weave. say it's a patch. Yeah, it's it's, well, it's a very specific way of, of how they patch stuff together. Where it's French invisible weave is what they call it. And so they, they do it to where... You can't tell that there, it's been patched up. I really feel like there should be a techno band whose name is French, French Invisible, Invisible Weave. Weave. Yeah, that'd be, oh, good. that'd be good. I mean, that would be <laughs> well, opening for Daft Punk. <laughs> but you're probably asking why? Why is why did they have to like patch it up? Well, mm. obviously fabric decays over time, but also this thing hasn't been stretched out. It was folded up, and so over time it had been and it had been in fire. It had had like wax stripped on it. All kinds of stuff had, like, damaged this thing. Right, and it's so, 2,000 years old. Right, so you get a lot of stains and stuff like that. Um, and the image of it, if you've never seen it, it, it doesn't look like a painting. It looks like an x-ray. Hmm. It looks like an x-ray of a man. Uh, and what's really cool is, when you start getting into the science of it, it's actually a photo negative. So that's the first evidence of it not being a painting. Because... Somebody in the, ele in the in the twelfth century would have had to known what a negative image is. It was beyond is beyond conception. The, yeah, yep, beyond that. Uh, not only that, uh, in the nineteen, I think in nineteen eighty three or eighty five or something, somewhere around there, 
they took a uh, they put it through a machine uh, called the VP8, which is a 3D topographical uh, imager that NASA uses uh, to take. They take pic- special pictures of like the surface of Mars and stuff like that. They run it through the machine and it produces like a 3D kind of topographical uh, image. Okay. Uh, if I were to take a picture of you or anybody, put it through there, it'd become out all distorted. Guess what happened when they put an image of uh, Shroud of Turin in there? It didn't come out distorted. It did not come out distorted at all. Hmm. It's it's a good topographical 3D image of a man. It's crazy. Which completely, it's in the realm of, hey, maybe somebody did something to where they got lucky and this kind of got there. You know, it's highly unlikely, but it could happen. Uh, but what really got me... Uh, with the scientific uh, images, they, they started peeling back some of the layers on some of this stuff, and they found out, because when you paint something, it bleeds through, especially on fabric. You know, it's going to bleed through all the threads and stuff like that. Uh, this image is burned on the first two micro layers of the cloth. So, so This is where we're getting the into the resurrection yeah. thing. So Chris. the threads of the thread the first two of those the image is burned onto Hmm. and nothing else nothing else like whatever it was laying on top of disappeared from underneath it didn't come all the way through it but disappeared from from inside of it did did i describe that right yeah uh and so their only explanation of how this could happen is high intensity light radiation. Now, this light radiation, the amount that it would take, we currently do not have the technology to produce that amount of light radiation to to burn an image like this. Mm. And you would need that. So just to just to be clear, when you say we, uh, you would need that on the inside, on the inside. shining into so, the inside. So of imagine, the, uh, have you ever gotten your extra an X ray taken of? the inside of your teeth like when you go to the dentist yeah yeah yeah. so they have to put that thing inside of your mouth and it goes out instead of in right same kind of concept except Hmm. the the energy is so intense that it actually burns an image of your lips of your lips onto whatever cloth is right there that's on there it's pretty crazy that's wild oh yeah Yeah, and it gets it gets and so there All right, you got like five more minutes okay, to I'll say what you want to no, no, say. No, we can take the whole episode with this. I'm fascinated. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> well, that's why I was saying go watch Dave's presentation because it, it, he has the pictures and videos. Dave's and not here. Stuff. You are. Da- I tried to get Dave here, but nobody gave me an answer on that. Sorry. Yeah. I wanted to hear from you. This okay. was your day in the sun. <laughs> I didn't think this would be that interesting. All right, so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, hey, we could have Dave on and yeah, talk about this again. Yeah. I'll, for uh, sure. Yeah. But I wanted, this was Justin's day in the so, sun. So this is where... And I really wasn't intending it to be the whole episode, by the way, Craig. So we'll see where this lands. I'll, I'll speed it up and you can go watch Dave's, Dave's presentation. So we know that it, it's almost impossible for it to be a, a painting or an Im- image of that kind other than high-intensity light radiation. Can I pause real quick? Is there anybody on the internet saying anything at all <clears throat> about this episode? Um, we have some hellos. Okay, so and we have we have people watching, so so we have some general like yeah, you know, our our dozens of, of viewers are thinking we're crazy. Are thinking that they're gone oh, by now. Cool. All right, Justin, back to you. This is your day in the sun. So 
We we know it's an image burned onto the the first two hey, micro layers. I, I, again, oh my I'm gosh. so sorry. I'm so sorry, <laughs> Kyle. Kyle, I just want to say, man, that's a that's a oh really good God. looking hat. It was a gift. It's a, it was a gift <laughs> from a dear friend. All right, back to you, Justin. Go. All right, so we know it's a high intensity light radiation image, uh, which we don't have the technology to produce. Now let's go to the actual image itself. Uh, it's an image of a man with puncture wounds in his head. He's got uh, wounds in his hands and in the side. Uh, he's got wounds on his back. You can see the... That fit the exact pattern the, of what we know. Of a, yep. Uh, it's also interesting that uh, it seems that all the blood pooled in the small of the back, which fits basically where blood would run if you're laying on your back and you've been you know, bleeding out. Uh, what's really interesting though. And, uh, it, it, it kind of is really cool. And Dave gets really emotional when he tells this part of it. So Dave, Dave talked with some of the actual researchers that were there in that original team. And, uh, so the stains on the blood stains on this thing are red. What happened? What color does blood turn when it, like, when it like really dark maroon brown. Brown. brown? So that's why a lot of people say, "Oh, it's fake." That's been one of the big criticisms. It's fake right? because yeah. it's right. it's I red. Uh, well, uh, if you've ever done any anthropological like uh, forensics and anthropological stuff like the body farms, they found out wait, 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 the body farms. Uh, yeah, up in Tennessee and stuff, where you can donate your body and they'll put you in different places so they can it's so they can watch study forensics. Yeah. That's where I want to go when I die. Okay, oh that's yeah. a whole other episode here. Yeah. <laughs> okay, the body. So, okay, the body farm. So anyway, I was unaware of. Kyle, you, were you aware of this? I did. I'm friends with Creighton, so I knew about it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We've talked about it, man. Uh, yeah, I was in a coma for. <laughs> not as sharp as I once was. So when you're beat to a pulp and you've lost all your blood, your your body will tell your liver to start pumping out bilirubin. Uh, if you don't know what bilirubin is, uh, so when I was born, I had. Some uh, what what they call that when your liver's not jaundice, mm -hmm. and so a lot of times when babies have jaundice, they put you under the blue light or something like that to produce get your bilirubin up. Uh, same thing. So when you're beat, you all your blood's left. Your body wants to keep surviving, so it it basically sends bilirubin all throughout your your body from your mm -hmm. liver. Well, guess what bilirubin is high in content with iron. Iron. Guess what color iron turns when it when it oxidizes red. Red. Hmm. That's oh, wild. Yeah. And wow. I'll leave the rest up to you guys. I'm not going to say it is Jesus, but there's really only one account that I can think of that matches everything in that image. So for me, it's like... Hmm. That's pretty cool. It's, I, I, I do think that this is... It's either a complete fraud, forgery, or... The only possible explanation is that whatever was wrapped in the shroud itself, whatever body was wrapped in the shroud itself, something supernaturally happened to to create this transposed image onto the, the cloth itself. Uh, There's really only one of two explanations. When people say, well, I mean, it fits the exact burial description of someone that had been crucified. There's some pollen they found on there that the dated pollen the dates. pollen dates uh, to some plants from that area. First century. Jerusalem, the, the cloth bit, the dates, and it's in the same style as a first century Jewish man. I, <laughs> if this was a court of law, <laughs> it's pretty much a done done deal. There's a ton of circumstantial mm, evidence. Yeah, wow. it, it's, it's very to me, it's the implications that then become interesting. 
Because like let's say let's say that this is this is the actual the, the the Bible describes the burial cloth left there in the tomb. And you would think as the followers of Jesus, the women come to the tomb, the disciples, you know, Peter and John, they come to the tomb. Um, Jesus's mother, you know, his body's not there, but the burial clothes are there. Um, we well, got to think that those bur- that burial cloth was important, and so you would have think that they would have held on to it. Well, it's only it. been it's only been in Turin for about five hundred years now. So where was it before then? Yeah. You that find, would be my next question. You find evidence of this uh, on different like coin. Well, you have stories and images of this at the the Ma- Mandelin of. Edessa, that was 544 AD, and then you ha- you find it on uh, Christ the Pen- Pentacrator, uh, an icon at a, a monastery at St. Catherine's in Mount Sinai, uh, and then you find some coins from the uh, Justinian the Second, the em- Emperor Justinian the Second. Mm-hmm. Uh, you find the same if you superimpose the images of that over this the the Shroud of Turin, mm. the faces match up. And so there's a lot of circumstantial evidence, like you said, that just kind of okay. I have a question. This because when I'm looking at it, right, it looks a little bit too much like when you say you're like, looking at it. Have you actually pulled it up? Yeah, you I pulled it up a second ago on my phone for those listening on the podcast. Um, all right, so I'm gonna pull it up again. It, but it looks like uh, you, know, you white could actually Jesus. put this on the screen for people that are. Uh, yeah, I probably are, could. Are actually watching? Um, give me just a second. I while will. you're all doing right, that, so, let me let me say something that okay. I think is an interesting addition. While you're forming that, all right, go for it. So so, you know, if you're let's say you're a first century disciple, or you know you're an, maybe you're not one of the apostles. Let's say you're an apostle, even. You know. <clears throat> Like, what are the things that that you would protect? What are the things that you would safeguard? What are the things that you would uh, would cherish? Uh, would the locations of things be really that important to you? Like, for example, let's say the, the Golgotha, where Jesus was crucified. Uh, would that would that location be of particular like significance to you? Not really, because it was a common roadside. It's where they did all the Romans did all the crucifixions. And they did a ton of crucifixions after Jesus was crucified there. It was a it was a common place. It wasn't uh, recognized, specialized. It wasn't uh, ordained as being significant. It was just a place. The garden tomb, you know, you can make the argument. Well, the garden tomb might have had some some type of specific connection to early believers. But then again, you get back to the 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 idea that the whole area. 40 years later, it gets ravaged by the Romans. Like, the whole place gets flattened. The temple gets destroyed. The whole thing, you know, so, like, if you're talking about you're, you're an early disciple, you're part of, you know, like, what things are you trying to safeguard, to hide, um, to protect, to cherish? You know, things like the shroud, it's portable, it can be moved. Um, the church has spread across the Roman Empire. It would be easy to get things out of Jerusalem. Uh, to get things into safekeeping. Um, it's why, it's again, it's one of the reasons why I think, you know, a lot of the biblical scrolls and, and biblical artifacts, like things that were portal locations, no. They get destroyed, topography changes, which is why I don't really buy into much of the locations, even by the time of Constantine's mother, 300 and some odd years later. But artifacts, I think, do have some interesting implications um, 
So that was me killing a few minutes there, Craig. You yes. got you got an image of this, right? So I've got an image and I have a question. Cool technology. We can okay. So this is about to go live. We're so about this to put is this the, on. This is the Shroud of Turin. So if you're listening on the podcast, you can't see this. Right. You will need to Google it. You can Google it. So, so this is the Shroud of Turin. So here's my question. Wait, real quick, real quick, Justin, is this the negative image? Is this as it is, or is it? Yeah, more or less. This is so. This is what the image looks like. Yeah. If you were to actually unroll it. Yeah, it would look like that. Well, kind of, sort of. So it, that's half of it. Yeah, I saw so one it, where you can see his yeah. back too. So it, imagine a oh. imagine a, a burrito or a, a like a cloth. So they laid them on and then you got to flip over to Justin real quick. Then they fold. Oh, them I the, see. Yeah, yeah. Flip yeah. over to Justin. So he's kind of describing. So this. there's two sides of it. they. They had them laying down and then they folded it over, mm-hmm. kind of like a sleeping bag almost. Uh, sleeping bag. Good. Yeah. Good description. Okay, and so, so there's another half to this. There's another half where you, it has the back. Okay. So you can put that back up. Now, your question, Creighton. He looks so like stereotypical white Jesus to me. Do you know what I mean? Like, Derek looked exactly like that yeah. two years ago before he cut his hair. Do you think that either, like, A, and maybe my... my thoughts on how Jewish people look 2,000 years ago is just not as accurate as I thought. And more importantly, do you think that this might be where we get that Jesus look that we see in all of the paintings? Because you said that they had this like 500 years ago, people saw this. And there is a very distinct you know, hey, that guy looks like Jesus. And everyone in America knows what he looks like. Right. And he looks like that. I think think the problem that people have is they, they put they put a lot of ancient stuff into modern context. Mm-hmm. And so you, you get some people saying, oh, Jesus is black. Jesus is white. He, he was a Middle Eastern Jew. Right. But, I mean, it, it, you got facial structures that are kind of Jewish altogether. Uh, so, I mean, he, he, looks like a, he looks like somebody I would see in Israel. Yeah. I mean, I've never it, been to Israel. So maybe my yeah. – because I was thinking more – is it racist to say more Osama bin Laden than uh, – you know, Fabio. I don't know if that's a comparison. No, <laughs> I mean, that, uh, I mean that's what I, that's what I think when I think of ancient, like Jewish people. I don't think I don't think Hasidic. I don't think Fabio. I think like you know the, the Middle the Hebrew The Hebrews were distinct enough to where people knew who who they were when just by looking at them. Good point. So I mean, it, it's it's not a it's it's not a cut and dry kind of thing, but I mean. I wouldn't be surprised to see that being actually Jesus's image. That's absolutely wild. Again, coming back to what I think is interesting. And again, if if you're just joining us here towards the end of this crazy episode of the outlaw radio show, uh, we're talking about the shroud of Turin and um, as crazy as it seems, some of the actual weird stuff that points to some validity I think maybe pointing more to some validity than for the discrepancies of it being a forgery. Um, any questions? I mean, let's let's open up. I mean, Nick, you've been like a deer in headlights over there. Like, what are we talking about? Yeah, I mean, I don't follow stuff like this much, but what interests me most is like the timeline of like when they grabbed it out of the tomb to like where it got now. I'd love to follow that timeline and just see where it's been, who's held on to it. You know, if, if, I mean, like you say, there was a piece of 
fabric already re-sewn on it. It's like, why would someone mess with that? If they well, knew it was Jesus's. Like, it, was, it was burned and stuff like that. It got caught in the fire. And, I know, but and still, it still was Jesus. I would be like, I'm not touching it. It was burned. Right. Oh, well, I'm not fixing it. I'm not putting something on of mine on it. No, but. I'd be trying to get healed and touch it. Like. <laughs> but oh, that's, and see, that's where I'm not with the artifacts that are Jesus. Like, they, a lot of people, they imprint God's power actually on this kind of stuff. And, and to me, it's it, it's just a really cool indication of, hey, this happened. Yeah. Great, yeah. A, a great example. Yeah. A great example of that is the idea that the cup, yeah, that Jesus, the Holy Grail, the, the Holy, Holy Grail, Grail that Jesus used, you know, etc. Everlasting life. Yeah, that 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 you know, this the Indiana Jones. This the it plays out a supernatural power to it. But isn't there some biblical, because um, I was looking this up when you started talking about the Shroud of Turn, I looked this up. <laughs> and this is either going to be the rest of the episode or we're That's doing fine. this next week. Um, because in Acts 19, you have uh, them talking about Paul. I don't know exactly where he's at. But 1912, or in 1911 and 12, it says, Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out of them. So like, is it? Are is does the does the shroud of Turin have some form of but was power? that God or was that the cloth? Once again, the question is: Does it keep its power? Does it keep its power? It? Is well, we're not like, giving exactly any indication here. We're not giving any indication that the shroud of Turin had had power. The shroud. Forget about the shroud of Turin, but the actual burial cloth. Like, there's no biblical evidence that the cloth left behind in the tomb possessed any type of supernatural power, etc. That being said, there, there is a lot of evidence in Scripture of innate objects, physical objects, being anointed and given supernatural power. Greatest example of which would be the Ark of the Covenant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Again, a box that's made. Wood, gold inlay, craftsmanship. You couldn't touch it. You'd die. It had to be carried by poles. Not only that, they took it out into war. The Philistines capture it and don't want it again. They they, mm-hmm. they send it back on, on a cart. Like, please, this is not, not good for us. Um, I mean, again... A, a, How about somebody touching the hem of Jesus' cloak? Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Okay, so touching the robe. And again, we can look at stories like that and say, well, okay, that, that was the, the object was had a component of unlocking their faith that it wasn't the fabric itself. We say that. Um, and that would be the, the, the explanation for Paul's handkerchiefs and things of that nature. You know, that stuff gets taken to an extreme where we have prayer cloths, you know, where you got the guys on TBN that are like, for 1999, uh, I'll, I'll wipe my sweat, send it to you. Mm-hmm. If you hold it to your face, you'll be healed of cancer. Oh I'm, I'm kind of taking that to an extreme, but... <laughs> I mean, only barely though. But Those barely, guys say some like, wild things. Like they're like that gets taken. On the flip side to it is there are objects, you know, in which there are supernatural power associated to them. Well, that one I don't think because we just had guys touching it seventy years ago. That's or true. Fifty yeah. years ago, yeah. or whatever it was. So, so I mean, yeah, there weren't sure. any stories about them unless it does require faith, and then it maybe because most of them were atheists and Jews. So I mean, they they right. they weren't. There's only like one or two believers that were on that team, and so these were. Can you do you know if you could go see the Shroud of Turin today? Uh, no, I don't think you can. It's locked locked in a box. Locked you, in a box. If you want to see a, a high res uh, copy of it, uh, get Dave Glander to come come out. <laughs> 
He can bring it out and show Man, you. Man, you're pitching hard. I am. For good old Dave. Dave, Dave. Dave's a good guy. He's got a really good beard going on right now. <laughs> <laughs> Man. We'll have to get Dave. We need to get Dave in. Kyle, what are your thoughts? You're, you're, you're like me in a lot of sense. I mean, you're very analytical, logical, A, it's all to B, to C. Super fascinating. Really interesting. This is stuff that I like to dig into on my own time when I'm bored, just spend time reading This on, sounds like a Reddit thread. Yeah, it yeah, does. it does. It yeah. does, 100%. Yeah. But as far as... <laughs> the Outlaw Radio Reddit episode. For, for the sake of this, this show today, I think... Um, my whole thought this has been on what's the okay so then what's the significance of looking into if it's if it's a valid thing or not is and i think you if you're going to dig into it you got to look into are are you looking into it as um something that's going to do something for you like we've been talking about like does it have healing properties is this a you know a relic is this something we need to carry around that we need to keep safe we need to do something for for us or look into it as hey maybe this is an opportunity to to you know Give some more proof to somebody out there that, like, yeah, I mean, resurrection just, happened. Yeah. Jesus evidence, is real. Evidence of something. Just, just coming from the academic side of the stuff where most people in my field are atheists and not believers, if there's something like this out there that has undeniable proof of this happening, yeah. you, you have to work hard to deny that. That's what I was thinking. It's like an end-all, be-all. It, it's it like really if is. this is the wrapping of Jesus Christ, then Jesus Christ existed, and there's no other way to explain this other than a supernatural occurrence, i.e. the resurrection, then that just proves that he was real and he was alive, and he did die for your sins. Here's the wrappings. You know, uh, again, just, just for those that are skeptical, like, as I've tried to process this, and Creighton, this is kind of kind of walking you down my road here i mean your boy's skeptical so so it, it kind of flows like is there is there a biblical reference of the artifact mm-hmm. and we can say yes there was like multiple accounts within the gospel record point to the the evidence of jesus's resurrection was the absence of a body and the presence of the burial cloth that was that that, that was the two key components like if, if the body and the burial cloth were missing out of the tomb, then that would lead to obvious speculation that the body had been stolen. But the fact that the, and and even again, in the way that the the Greek presents it in the gospel narratives, it's that the the, the burial cloths were there as if they were, had been undisturbed as if the body had just, had just left. Like they they weren't good. I'm going to jump in here Yeah, because, uh, Everyone's favorite fan, Jennifer, has a question. Okay. And that is, was the cloth folded up when they found it in the tomb, or was it, like, where it was? Because you said that they found yeah, that's it as a great it was question. undisturbed, and, and, and I can't I was saying remember. that there might be a reference in Scripture that, that it was folded up. I don't, I don't recall. Either way, either, there, either way that there was, the cloth was left behind. I guess that's my point. I, mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not going to get real dogmatic because I don't have my Bible in front of me and I can't reference the passages. Can't say for certain which way. Yes. But the cloth was there behind. We had the evidence of that. And so as I'm processing, it's like, okay, well, the, the, the cloth being left behind was part of the evidence of the resurrection, indicating that, that there was significance to it, to the point that the, the people that had come to the tomb, the Roman soldiers, there's no reference that they took it, or the, 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 the religious leaders, they would... Who would have taken it? Well, it would have been the followers of Jesus. Like, that would have been a significant thing to have held on to. 
where did it go? We have no, we don't know. We don't have any, any reference. Nick, did you pull up something? No. Okay. Um, we don't have any particular reference of like tracking, you know, where it ended up, whose hands it changed, etc. Until we get to this shroud of Turin thing. Um, but to me, it's like, we do know it existed. We do know it would have been special enough to keep and protect. Not saying that there's supernatural power or not, but it was evidence of resurrection. And if we can examine this document that has a historical angle to it, obviously it goes back to, the, what was it, the 11th century? Before then. Okay. Like, it, it's been around for a long, long time. 6th like, century. Like, the, the actual earliest. piece of cloth has. So, like, we're talking about something that's very old. The question is, is it old enough? And, and is it a fraud? Or is it the evidence of something else? And the legend of it being a fraud has, has just developed over the centuries because of the lack of the technology to examine it. But we've examined it with modern technology that shows like, okay, this dates back way early. So it places it at the same time period. And like whatever the weird phenomenon to create this image, like we don't have an explanation for that other than what we could potentially say would be resurrection. Like literally the body of Jesus and the moment of resurrection where what was dead came to life and light and glory radiated through that an image, an imprint of that was left on the cloth that was touching the skin of Jesus. You know, I think that that's a pretty radical idea. And even as a, as a, as kind of a skeptical Protestant, especially the things that come out of Catholicism, um, again, I, I read, I read, what I sent Justin, the article I sent Justin was like, it was, it was scholarly above me. There was so much science involved with it that it was like, I sent it to you and was like, could you kind of translate some of this for me? Cause I'm trying to wade through this, but like, like the conclusions of this secular paper was like, this can't be a, we don't know what it is, but it can't be a hoax because there's no way you could do this without modern technology and even modern technology is not even going to come close to the perfection of what this is. Isn't it, isn't it kind of cool that, uh, what they can only think of is it's high intensity light radiation. Jesus and is the light of the world, right? Jesus is the light of the world. But every time somebody encounters Jesus in his glory, they're either left glowing or blind. Yeah. You, know? you had Moses on the, you got Moses. Moses, Moses walking off the mount. <laughs> yeah. You got Stephen looking at the Jesus, and right. you got Saul who's blinded. Right. Interesting. And so if he hadn't been contained in that little cave, and we're told, like, and we're told that in the millennial, we don't need, we don't need uh, any eternity. We don't need sun, moon, right. stars, because Jesus lights it all up. I'd say that's enough high intensity light radiation. <laughs> right. to burn well, probably. Yeah, maybe a little. I'll have yeah. to crunch the numbers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let me pull out my calculator. <laughs> Any other questions? I can't believe we, we've actually successfully turned this hijacking into an, cool. enti an entire episode. I Craig, can't believe that you have me on the fence about this. <laughs> well, you're the one that's supposed to bring interesting, interesting things. And I know I, I can't believe that I'm actually considering. I mean, I've always uh, okay, I've oh, ever are you heard actually about considering? it. Where are you now? So when we started, where were you? When we started, I thought you were making a joke. Okay, so you thought I was just. This was a this was all a ruse. Yes. Justin, I cooked up a ruse. And now I'm thinking Oh snap. Well, I mean, if he can create 
you know, all of this, why can't he create the Shroud of Turing? <laughs> That's where we're at. That's where <laughs> I'm at. <laughs> but it's a much greater progression than you would have anticipated, though. Much greater, yes. Well, that's where I'm at. I mean, like, I can't say for certain that no, it's Jesus. No, But the only, the only story that I have that matches what this thing is, is the resurrection of Jesus. That's wild. Now, your buddy Dave is a full-blown He believer. was an atheist, militant atheist for 30 years. And now he, he spent all his money on a, a lot of, like, his life savings on this mu- traveling museum. Now he works for a ministry, and he does, like, he has that. But but in regards to the Shroud of Turid, he's a believer. Oh, yeah. Well, he, he he's kind of the same. He's at the same point that I am. The what? Who else can it be? What other what other story in the history of the world matches what this shroud has and the evidence behind it? Okay, do we have to get this Dave guy on the show? Justin's been pulling for this for yeah, we do of for course a while. We do. What do yeah. you think, Kyle? Sure, let's go. Hey, by the way, that's that's a sharp looking at you. I found it at a Goodwill actually. Oh, <laughs> uh, for those listening on the podcast, the jokes for the last two episodes have been the new Calvary three sixteen camo hats, which are not sold and are exclusively given. Deal, Daddy. You got anything? No. <laughs> <laughs> I said my piece. <laughs> Nick, you got anything? I'm good. Kyle, got anything? I'm done. Justin, final words for you. Oh, for me? Yeah, <laughs> this is your moment in the sun, brother. Go check out Dave. Dave oh, I, my goodness. I, no, I know, but he does a really good presentation with like all the pictures and videos and does a way better job of explaining stuff uh, rather than me. I, I I try and and do it, and I just what's I gonna be great to. when we have Dave on the show. We're gonna make Justin sit off camera. That's fine. I was gonna say it's gonna be great. We're gonna have Dave on the show, and he's gonna be like, "So Justin, what do you think about his?" You know, so my friend Justin was Dave's telling me about beard. the thing. <laughs> <laughs> Dave's beard uh, surpasses mine, so he he has the the right to take my. <laughs> Dave, Dave's gonna be like, this Justin guy. I've never met him before. <laughs> He's been following me around in this traveling archaeological thing. He's, what in the world? Anyway, so Craig, do you got anything left? Man, I had a whole episode. This has been wild. This has been, I'm going to be. Well, that makes it easier for you next week. Well, no, it doesn't because this is going to have a follow-up next week. Oh, my what it is, I'm all, you got my head spinning now. Uh, uh, all right. Well, thanks, fellas, for being on the show. Always yeah. Thank you, guys. Well, you've been either watching or listening to the Outlaw Radio Show. Uh, if you're watching, check out the podcast. They'll on Apple, iTunes, which is the same thing, Google, Spotify, etc., uh, if you are listening, check out the live stream Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, we live stream the recording of the podcast. And so you can uh, look in, uh, see our faces, and you can also interact in real time, uh, which is a lot of fun. Uh, with all that being said, my name is Zach Adams. I hope you join us uh, this time next week for more of the Outlaw Radio Show.